Book Five, Canto Six of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Six. Talus brings news to Britomart of Artegall's mishap. She goes to seek him. Dolon meets, who seeks her to entrap. Some men I wot will deem in Artegall great weakness and report of him much ill for yielding so himself a wretched thrall to the insolent command of women's will that all his former praise doth foully spill but he the man that say or do so dare be well advised that he stands steadfast still for never yet was white so well aware but he at first or last was trapped in women's snare yet in the straightness of that captive state this gentle knight himself so well behaved that notwithstanding all the subtle bait with which those amazons his love still craved to his own love his loyalty he savoured whose character in that amantine mould of his true heart so firmly was engraved that no new love's impression ever could bereave it thence such blot his honour blemish should yet his own love the noble britomart scarce so conceived in her jealous thought what time sad tidings of his baleful smart in woman's bondage talus to her brought brought in untimely hour ere it was sought for after that the utmost date assigned for his return she waited had for naught she gan to cast in her misdoubtful mind a thousand fears that lovesick fancies fain to find Sometimes she feared, lest some hard mishap had him misfallen in his adventurous quest. Sometime, lest his false foe did him entrap in traitorous train, or had unwares oppressed. But most she did her troubled mind molest, and secretly afflict with jealous fear, lest some new love had him from her possessed. Yet loath she was, since she no ill did hear, to think of him so ill, yet could she not forbear one while she blamed herself another while she him condemned as trustless and untrue and then her grief with error to beguile she feigned to count the time again anew as if before she had not counted true for hours but days for weeks that passed were she told but months to make them seem more few yet when she reckoned them still drawing near each hour did seem a month and every month a year but when as yet she saw him not return she thought to send some one to seek him out but none she found so fit to serve that turn as her own self to ease herself of doubt now she devised amongst the warlike rout of errant knights to seek her errant knight and then again resolved to hunt him out amongst loose ladies lapid in delight and then both knights envied and ladies eke did spite one day when as she long had sought for ease in every place and every place thought best yet found no place that could her liking please she to a window came that opened west towards which coast her love his way addressed there looking forth she in her heart did find many vain fancies working her unrest and send her winged thoughts more swift than wine to bear unto her love the message of her mind there as she looked long at last she spied one coming towards her with hasty speed well ween she then ere she him plain descried that it was one sent from her love indeed 
who when e'en I approached, she mote a read that it was Talus, Artigal, his groom, whereat her heart was filled with hope and dread, nor would she stay till he in place could come, but ran to meet him forth to know his tidings some. Even in the door him meeting she begun, and where is he thy lord, and how far hence, declare at once, and hath he lost or won? The iron man, albe he wanted sense and sorrow's feeling, yet with conscience of his ill news, did inly chill and quake, and stood still mute, as one in great suspense, as if that by his silence he would make her rather read his meaning than himself it spake, till she again thus said, Talus, be bold, and tell whatever it be, good or bad, that from thy tongue thy heart's intent doth hold. To whom he thus at length, The tidings sad that I would hide, Needs will I see be rad. My lord, your love, by hard mishap, Doth lie in wretched bondage, woefully bestad. I me, quoth she, what wicked destiny, And is he vanquished by his tyrant enemy? Not by that tyrant his intended foe, But by a tyranness. He then replied, that him captived hath in hapless woe. Cease, thou bad newsman, badly dost thou hide thy maester's shame in harlot's bondage tied. The rest myself too readily can spell. With that in rage she turned from him aside, forcing in vain the rest to her to tell, and to her chamber went like solitary cell. There she began to make her moanful plaint against her knight, for being so untrue, and him to touch with falsehood's foul attaint, that all his other honor overthrew. Oft did she blame herself, and often rue for yielding to a stranger's love so light, whose life and manners strange she never knew, and evermore she did him sharply twight for breach of faith to her, which he had firmly plight. And then she in her wrathful will did cast how to revenge that blot of honor blent, to fight with him and goodly die her last. And then again she did herself torment, inflicting on herself his punishment. A while she walked and chafed, a while she threw herself upon her bed and did lament. Yet did she not lament with loud allieu as women want, but with deep sighs and singulfs few. Like as a wayward child whose sounder sleep is broken with some fearful dreams of fright, with froward will doth set himself to weep, ne can be stilled for all his nurse's might, but kicks and squalls and shrieks for fell despite, now scratching her and her loose locks misusing, now seeking darkness and now seeking light, then craving suck and then the suck refusing. Such was this lady's fit in her love's fond accusing. But when she had with such unquiet fits herself there close afflicted long in vain, yet found no easement in her troubled wits, she unto Talus forth returned again, by change of place seeking to ease her pain, and gan inquire of him with milder mood the certain cause of Artigal's detain, and what he did, and in what state he stood, and whether he did woo, or whether he were wooed. Ah, well away, said then the iron man, that he is not the while in state to woo, but lies in wretched thraldom, weak and wan, 
not by strong hand compelled thereunto, but his own doom that none can now undo. Said I not then, quoth she, erewhile aright, that this is thing compact betwixt you two, me to deceive of faith unto me plight, since that he was not forced nor overcome in fight. With that he gan at large to her dilate the whole discourse of his captive and sad, in sort as ye have heard the same of late. All which, when she with hard endurance had heard to the end, she was right sore bestead, with sudden stounds of wrath and grief at one. Ne would abide till she had answer made, but straight herself did dight and armor don, and mounting to her steed, bad Talus guide her on. So forth she rode upon her ready way to seek her knight, as Talus did her guide. Sadly she rode, and never word did say, nor good nor bad, ne ever looked aside, but still right down, and in her thought did hide the fellness of her heart, right fully bent to fierce avengement of that woman's pride, which had her lord in her base prison pent, and so great honor with so foul reproach had blent. So as she thus melancholic did ride, chawing the cud of grief and inward pain, she chanced to meet toward the eventide a knight that softly paced on the plain, as if himself to solace he were fain. Well shot in years he seemed, and rather bent to peace than needless trouble to constrain, as well by view of that his vestiment, as by his modest semblant that no evil meant. He, coming near, gan gently her salute with courteous words, in the most comely wise, who, though desirous rather to rest mute than terms to entertain of common guise, yet rather than she kindness would despise, she would herself displease, so him requite. Then gan the other further to devise of things abroad, as next to hand did light, and many things demand, to which she answered light. For little lust had she to talk of aught, or aught to hear that mote delightful be. Her mind was whole possessed of one thought that gave none other place, which when as he by outward signs, as well he might, did see, he list no longer to use loathful speech, but her besought to take it well in gree, sith shady damp had dimmed the heaven's reach, to lodge with him that night, unless good cause impeach. The championess, now seeing night at door, was glad to yield unto his good request, and with him went without gainsaying more. Not far away, but little wide by west, his dwelling was, to which he him addressed, where soon arriving they received were in seemly wise, as them beseemed best. For he their host them goodly well did cheer, and talked of pleasant things the night away to wear. Thus passing the evening well, till time of rest, then Britomart unto a bower was brought, where grooms awaited her to have undressed. But she ne would undressed be for aught, ne doff her arms, though he her much besought. For she had vowed, she said, not to forgo those warlike weeds, till she revenge had wrought of a late wrong upon a mortal foe, which she would sure perform, betide her weal or woe which when her host perceived, right discontent in mind he grew, for fear lest by that art he should his purpose miss, which close he meant. Yet taking leave of her he did depart. There all that night remained Britomart, 
restless, recomfortless, with heart deep grieved, not suffering the least twinkling sleep to start into her eye, which the heart mote have relieved. But if the least appeared, her eyes she straight reprieved. Ye guilty eyes, said she, the which with guile my heart at first betrayed, will ye betray my life now too, for which a little while ye will not watch? false watches well away i wot when ye did watch both night and day unto your loss and now needs will ye sleep now ye have made my heart to wake alway now will ye sleep ah wake and rather weep to think of your night's want that should ye waking keep thus did she watch and wear the weary night in wail for plaints that none was to appease now walking soft, now sitting still upright, as sundry change her seemed best to ease. Nelles did Talus suffer sleep to seize his eyelid sad, but watched continually, lying without her door in great disease, like to a spaniel waiting carefully, lest any should betray his lady treacherously. What time the native bellman of the night, the bird that warned Peter of his fall, first rings his silver bell to each sleepy white, that should their minds up to devotion call, she heard a wondrous noise below the hall. All suddenly the bed where she should lie, by a false trap, was let a down to fall into a lower room, and by and by the loft was raised again that no man could it spy. With sight whereof she was dismayed right sore, perceiving well the treason which was meant yet stirred not at all for doubt of more but kept her place with courage confident waiting what would ensue of that event it was not long before she heard the sound of armed men coming with close intent towards her chamber at which dreadful stound she quickly caught her sword and shield about her bound with that there came unto her chamber door two knights all armed ready for to fight and after them full many other more a rascal rout with weapons rudely dight whom soon as talus spied by glimpse of night he started up there where on ground he lay and in his hand his thresher ready kite they seeing that let drive at him straightway and round about him press in riotous array but soon as he began to lay about with his rude iron flail they gan to fly both armed knights and eke unarmed rout yet talus after them a pace did ply wherever in the dark he could them spy that here and there like scattered sheep they lay then back returning where his dame did lie he to her told the story of that fray and all that treason there intended did bewray wherewith though wondrous wroth and inly burning to be avenged for so foul a deed yet being forced to bide the days returning she there remained but with right wary heed lest any more such practice should proceed now mote you know that which to britomart unknown was whence all this did proceed and for what cause so great mischievous smart was meant to her that never evil meant in heart the goodman of this house was dolon hight a man of subtle wit and wicked mind that while omina's youth had been a knight and arms had borne but little good could find and much less honour by that warlike kind of life for he was nothing valorous but with sly shifts and wiles did undermine all noble knights which were adventurous and many brought to shame by treason treacherous 
he had three sons all three like father's sons like treacherous like full of fraud and guile of all that on this earthly compass wands the eldest of the which was slain erewhile by artegall through his own guilty wile his name was geysor whose untimely fate for to avenge full many treasons vile his father dolon had devised of late with these his wicked sons and showed his cankered hate for sure he weened that this his present guest was artegall by many tokens plain but chiefly by that iron page he guessed which still was wont with artegall remain and therefore meant him surely to have slain but by god's grace and her good heediness she was preserved from this traitorous train thus she all night wore out in watchfulness ne suffered slothful sleep her eyelids to oppress the morrow next so soon as dawning hour discovered had the light to living eye she forth issued out of her loathed bower with full intent to avenge that villainy on that vile man and all his family and coming down to seek them where they wand nor sire nor sons nor any could she spy each room she sought but them all empty fond they all were fled for fear but whether never conned she sought vain to make their linger stay but took her steed and thereon mounting light gan her address unto her former way she had not rid the mountenance of a flight but that she saw there present in her sight those two false brethren on that perilous bridge on which polent with artegall did fight straight was the passage like a ploughed ridge that if two met the one mote needest fall over the lidge there they did think themselves on her to wreak who as she nigh unto them drew the one these vile reproaches gan unto her speak thou recreant false traitor that with loan of arms hast knighthood stolen yet knight art none no more shall now the darkness of the night defend thee from the vengeance of thy phone but with thy blood thou shalt appease the sprite of geysor by thee slain and murdered by thy slight strange were the words in britomartis ear yet stayed she not for them but forward fared till to the perilous bridge she came and there talus desired that he might have prepared the way for her and those two losels scared but she thereat was wroth that for despite the glancing sparkles through her beaver glared and from her eyes did flash out fiery light like coals that through a silver censer sparkle bright she stayed not to advise which way to take but putting spurs into her fiery beast thorough the midst of them she waited make the one of them which most her wrath increased upon her spear she bore before her breast till to the bridge's further end she passed where falling down his challenge he released the other overside the bridge she cast into the river where he drunk his deadly last as when the lightning leaven haps to light upon two stubborn oaks which stand so near that way betwixt them none appears in sight the engine fiercely flying forth doth tear one from the earth and through the air doth bear the other it with force doth overthrow upon one side and from his roots doth rear so did the championess those two there strow and to their sire their carcasses left to bestow end of canto six recording by thomas copeland